It's almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Our final JCM Jones from the mothership and dirtysouthsoccer.com. Sometimes Joe Patrick from 99 the game and dirty south soccer. All the time is over there. Joe, lots of takeaways here from from a game that ha- had it all. It had um Did it, it have well, it all? There was a <laughs> there were a couple shots. Everything but a uh, goal. Uh, um some people got fouled. There was there were lots of fouls. <laughs> Atlanta's the most fouled team in the league, y'all. We got it. I, we did it. I, we, I was joking to you. It seemed like Red Bull's tactics is um, it's like the hockey tactic. And I know we have some hockey fans in our uh, audience, um, but it's like where you it's like dump and check or something where you just like hit it long and then everybody runs forward and then you just tackle and try to win the ball high up the field and then score. And honestly, it kind of worked out for them as, as well as it could have, I guess. Yeah, they, they get a point on the road. Atlanta gets a point at home. Meh. We kind of have two games to talk about, I guess, that are pretty meh. Yeah. Uh, both More than New York meh, teams. I think. More I, than meh. Yeah. I, the, look, look, let's let's just go ahead and, and say like this is a gold star episode. This is one of those ones that it's going to get dark. <laughs> if you are not in the mood for this one, like go take a walk, go breathe a little bit and come back to this when you're in a mindset that isn't going to bum you out. I was just going to do that for you. I was just telling Sam, I'm going to try to keep bringing myself back to the lightness, but um, it's going to be tough. I don't want to be, you know, it's just bad vibes to always be the person who's like doom and gloom about everything. But also we got to say the truth. And that's that this team is really not very good, not good at all, Mm. maybe. Mm. And, um, Mm. and honestly, I think the thing that's more worrying than just the way that the form is right now is that it's hard to see it turning around in a, in a sharp Mm. way. And just with everything, the injuries that this team is dealing with the front office, all of this stuff, it's, um, it's not a good, like it's, you don't feel hopeful about the future. Nope. (laughs) Oh my God. I've already gone into the darkness. Bring back. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good thesis statement for this one. Uh, now that we've said all this not positive stuff, we do want to say we, we want to say positive things about our intro song. The intro song is Chances by Kurt Castle. Thanks, gotta, Kurt. Got to get that in. Thanks, Kurt. Each one. A um, couple other things to check out as well before we we dive deep into this. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final. Um, if you want some positivity, we had the good folks from MLS Assist, uh, Joseph Lowry and Jordan Anjali, uh came in and talked to us and had some awesome thoughts on, on t- the tactics of the team. I had a ton of fun on that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're just wonderfully wholesome. Instead of getting two dudes complaining like me and Joe, you you get Joseph and Jordan who are phenomenal and optimistic and see the world <laughs> through pure eyes that then are corrupted selves. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash five stripe on a whole bunch of stuff on there. And we'll continue to have stuff. I think we have uh, Jack Collison from the twos, the new head coach of the twos on later this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could announce that yet, but yeah. I did. There yep. we go. So keep an eye out on that. Keep an eye out on this as well. This is business time. This is time, Joe Patrick. Not a whole lot of news necessarily to get to. There were a couple of injuries to talk about, though. Yesterday, Franco Ibarra leaves the game with a hamstring injury. He went down and immediately started waving for trainers and everything like that. It was not pretty. It, it looked like one of those things where you're like, oh, OK, this was a, a serious thing, you know, yeah. in the way he reacted. You know, people know their bodies pretty well. And when when something goes and it goes like that and your immediate reaction is to roll around it and wait for people to come over to help you. It's usually not great. Um, we'll see if he is fine. We don't we don't really have an update on that other than was it just his hamstring? He was he was rolling like his upper body, but that one leg was not moving. And that's really the always the indicator to me where it's like if it's clearly a lower body injury, if they're moving their whole body around, including their legs, they're probably fine. They probably just took a knock or something. But when they're like when that leg is is 
completely motionless that's when it's not good because it means that it hurts to move it so um not good and he didn't look like he could put any weight on it at all yeah. uh coming off the field so that's worrying the, the only good news about it i guess i mean it's never good when a player gets injured but we first well i thought it was brooks lennon at first from where we were in the press box and it was kind of on the right side and i think that well i don't know who is more irreplaceable at this point now because you already have so many injuries in central midfield as well but um yeah I, it's just not 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 good not good yeah that's just it on top of everything else right now who's gonna play in midfield do you yeah. want to play in midfield do i want to play in midfield like who's gonna play in midfield we, we don't know at this I point guess Mo Adams just is gonna get a shot i guess so it's it's so threadbare right now it really really is on top of that you're dom did not play yesterday at all i did not see an update on what exactly the injury was i'm assuming it's a knock quotation marks right probably the same thing he has been dealing with for a while now uh didn't get in the game it was not in the 18 uh don't know when he'll be back as well so, yeah cool I, have to, I assume that it's the same hamstring injury that he was dealing with before the break but that's mm-hmm. tough so yeah that's that's kind of where we are right now as the team continues to get more and more depleted the results get worse we'll talk about maybe a bright spot i guess though joseph martinez will be back soon as venezuela crashes out of copa america Y- yay <laughs> um, which like I mean, for us i mean it's kind of exactly what we wanted but it's it's a bummer for him of course but we do get joseph back soon at the very very least and you have to imagine that will help things just a little bit i actually okay so kind of going into the optimistic side i really do think it will be a huge addition i think that this team will look much much different when he's involved because you know, especially when we're in the press box, Sam, like you can really see where Kubo Torres's lack of pace just it uh, it prevents a chance from even occur like from the possibility of a chance occurring, you know, because you know that if you have Joseph Martinez able to sprint in behind, then there are is not that only that option available, but just that run would make other options available. And you can just see like there have been times where they try to play that ball into Torres and he just has no chance of getting there. And, and then it's really demoralizing <laughs> because Sometimes when that happens is early in the game and you think you should still be fresh enough to get to it. But I, th- I do think Joseph will make a big difference in this team when he returns. Obviously, it's not even really about it is about pace, but it's also about just general athleticism. He mm-hmm. can't jump. Mm-hmm. He can't really change direction very well. And like you look at older strikers who are kind of successful in creating space for themselves that they've kind of learned how to do that. Kubo is a guy who his body is not doing the things it used to do. And he hasn't learned how to be creative enough to, to get around that yet, you know? So he's still kind of playing the same way and he can't do it. And it's weird too. Cause I think he's still in his twenties. I believe uh, he's, he's not as mm-hmm. old as I think a lot of people think just because of the way he moves now compared to what he was earlier in his career. And the fact that he would kind of came on as a teenager, um, but yeah, and Hey, the good news also with Joseph is that he actually hasn't like logged a ton, any minutes in Copa America. I don't know if he ever, did he so, ever yeah. play. No. So, so he should be fresh. Uh, obviously he was down, uh, not able to participate in some stuff with COVID-19. Maybe that affects fitness a little bit, but I would think that he's been training and, um, should be able to come back in. And I would think he can slot in right away in the starting lineup in this uh, game next week. There you go. There, there's some optimism there. So, so now let's, let's there get into these last couple of games. This is Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Time Game Man, Time. Man, I don't even sports like. It feels time, like the game the time, sports the bump prime for Sports Prime Game, game Time sports is a little too sports game goofy time. for for the solemnness <laughs> of this. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time, Sports Prime Game Time, yeah. Sports Prime Game Time, Joe, Patrick, two games to talk about basically, and we can do it real, real quick. Atlanta can't create. They just can't create. It's just how it is at this point. Uh, They are second to last in non-penalty expected goals in the league. They simply aren't creating, which is why when, you know, when we talk about Joseph being there, you know, and improving things. I'm, I know that's true to an extent, but I'm not sure how much it is because the the chances aren't there in general. And I'll theoretically that would compound on itself and improve with him in there. And it would create opportunities for other people, everything like that. Um, but even still, it's, it's not like we're going to plug him in and, and suddenly be able to create the chances we need to create, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, defensively, at least they held up. I, I think both games for the most part, there was kind of a man marking mishap, I think in the NYCFC game where I don't know who's responsive. Maybe in Georgia's honestly, someone came in the middle and made a, made a diagonal run 
found themselves at the top of the box for my CFC and finished pretty easily. Right. Like that was the whole thing. Yeah. And, and Miles Robinson gave a ball away in that game. That was right. r- really egregious. Um, and it was just hard to recover from that. They were immediately, they had numbers against them and uh, just one of those things that happens. Um, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you in terms of like the way this team is creating chances. It's not good because there's nothing really coming through the middle. It's like all down the wings and you know, it's, you can make do like you can ha- obviously sometimes your more, more creative players are on the wings, but really with it, when you look at Atlanta United, it's like Atlanta United's creative players and Ezekiel Barco and Marcelino Moreno aren't really doing any of the chance creation. It's all through these kind of Hail Mary style crosses from Brooks Lennon and George Bellow. Those seem to be kind of the biggest chance creators. And there and then there are some times George Bellow finally made his way into the the golden zones of success uh, in this game against the Rebels late where he was able to turn a, you know, cut a ball in. And that was honestly one of the biggest chances of the game that Atlanta had created kind of a goal mouth scramble. Uh, and they had a couple of those at the end of the games. But overall, there doesn't seem to be like a cohesive style of uh, a method to create chances like when Tata Martino was here you could like so visualize the patterns of play the passages of play that this team would have over and over and over again even when teams knew it was coming they still couldn't stop it because it was just so effective the players were so effective in those roles and you just don't see that kind of continuity at all especially with this team in the attack in the attack it still seems like they're just trying to completely improvise um, when they get up there, there's no kind of set, you know, pattern of what they want to do. And that's, that's discouraging this deep into the season. And it's never a good sign when it feels like, you know, Marcelino Moreno and Ezekiel Barco are just kind of freewheeling it out there. And I, I, I continue to have concerns about, you know, something that we've been hinting at for a while now, but Marcelino Moreno, he will have some really good touches. He had one in the late in the first half. I think it was uh, in the game yesterday where he was able to like kind of flick a, a first touch over somebody. And then he got taken mm-hmm. down. We were just kind of joking it was like a clear path foul um but that's kind of every once in a while and a lot more often the touch is super heavy and it kind of takes away all attacking momentum from this team and so it's just frustrating to see that happen over and over again that's a good point it's a good check on me because i think yesterday i was one of those people i was like oh wow did you see that and being like oh, okay marcelino had had a good game and maybe that necessarily wasn't wasn't the case you know and it's things like that but i don't know maybe i'm just looking for anything to really kind of get excited about this team going forward but you make a, a really good point i think about how Good teams, the fans also get that second sense of where the ball is going to go. And that's in kind of any sport, that's in basketball and soccer and any kind of sport where you have to pass it, right? Like, you know where the ball is supposed to be and how this is supposed to work. And, and right now, I have no idea what this is supposed to be. And I kind of know where the ball is going to go. It's going to go to the wing, right? But at that point, like, I don't know, there's going to be no space or someone's going to dribble into somebody and just get fouled and kill all the momentum or anything like that. Right. Like it's it's frustrating because you look around the league and you see where the best teams get the ball and, and how their patterns of play come about in the final third. And a lot of them work through the middle. Right. Like there mm-hmm. are a lot of opportunities being created through the middle at the very least, in, in addition to some of the stuff on the wings. Right. But Atlanta can't get there. Like the most effective person through the middle of the field, the last two games, really, I think George Bellow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Him it, coming through the middle. Again, not good. We kind of, I mentioned that a while back. I think I was like, maybe it's a bad thing that George Brooks or George, George Brooks, Brooks Lennon and George Bellow are, are having to be relied upon so much. And I think that's definitely kind of the case right now but um i asked matt doyle and joe lowry to kind of check out yesterday and see just how bad atlanta was at getting into that zone 14 area that area again from the arc kind of up at the top of the box mm-hmm. where most teams create scoring opportunities it's just not happening uh, the, the past chart from yesterday is hilarious it's like there's a big arch right around that area in Atlanta can't get the ball into yeah. it. I mean, even the the chance I mentioned just a bit ago when George Bellow got, finally got it into a good op, uh, mm-hmm. op zone inside the box, that happened when he was essentially looked like to me, he was playing as a, a second striker. When jo- mm-hmm. when Jake Mulraney came in, Mulraney was kind of the guy who was playing that wide space, uh, providing the width for the team. And George Bellow was making those runs through the middle and they were able to actually find him. I wonder if that's something maybe not. They don't I don't know if they'll continue to do it with Bellow, but I wonder if they might move or rearrange some personnel to try to figure out if they can maybe run something more like a three, five, two to give Kubo Torres some help. Or obviously, Joseph Martinez might be back by next week. But 
Um, you know, it's just what was originally how the team was originally set up was not working. It hasn't worked. And again, like it's so hard because you lose a guy like Emerson Hyman in central midfield, who's such a key player for you. He's played, he'd played all but seven minutes of the season by the time he left. That's huge in terms of positioning yourself, you know, having structure within the team. He's obviously so central to that. You're playing this game yesterday without, we, we mentioned Jurgen Dom, uh, Joseph Martinez, of course, all these players that are missing and it makes it so much harder to be fluid and effective in attack. But still, it's like this team was like really not creating much of anything. I think they had four shot attempts in like the 74th minute. And then they had a kind of a cluster because they had a couple goal mouse scrambles in the end of the game. But there was nothing cohesive or regular um, about their attacking play that gave you any kind of sense of of hope in the game, honestly. And that's what's kind of as crushing as anything. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, and uh, you talk about George getting to the inline there and creating that chance, right? Like, that's something we thought was going to happen way more, especially at the beginning of the year, uh-huh. right? In those first few kind of Champions League games and everything like that, we thought that might be where Atlanta United could create a lot of their chances, which would be a little bit different from the league norm, but you can do it. I mean, in Manchester City, are pretty famous for for getting to the end line and playing cutbacks and everything like that. But they can do it from multiple positions, right? It's not just going on the wing and, and making a run past somebody and getting there, right? Like they can play the ball from the middle of the field and, and play it into space and have people get there, right? And Atlanta simply can't do that right now. So the only way they can get the end line is to have their 19-year-old fullback play second striker and run around a couple people and somehow get there, right? That's not good. Yeah. That's not encouraging at all. Even, and, I, yeah. well, like I, I, I don't like to keep on going back to like the Tata Martino era, but it's something that we, it's a common reference point that we all kind of know. And how many times would like Julian Gressel and Tito like hook up on that right side? They would do like a little like, weave you know they'd pass and move around each other and they would be able to find those those golden areas and then Gressel was so famous for that kind of pullback cutback you know he, he wasn't always a traditional whip in across like Brooks Lennon was uh, and I think that honestly that kind of uh, service would suit a guy like Kubo Torres a lot more and you would just wish the Atlanta United could have done that more but they just aren't able to ha- they don't have that kind of cohesiveness to be able to make those movements and know where uh, you know your teammates are running on the field it's just uh, it's just tough and it, hard to watch like that was really what I came away with at the end of the game it's like that was difficult to watch which is never I what you want to say came away from that and was like gonna meet some friends later in the day to go watch the hawks and i had to text and be like i am so sleepy that team <laughs> yeah. bored me to death there i was at the stadium i've never been uh well probably not that's probably not true i've probably been as bored at the stadium yeah. as, as that game but but it's it was close close to the top Right. And that's frustrating. We highlight I want to say too, so, real quick, sure, real ahead. quick, one more negative thing. Sure. People do the thing where they compare Brooks and Gressel, which I totally get it. Uh, similar positions and everything like that. But what Gressel could do that Brooks has not shown this year and maybe just hasn't had the opportunity to do, but Gressel could move inside. Gressel could play through balls. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Gressel could get a shot off. Right. Gressel could score and everything like that and move centrally a little bit. And again, maybe Brooks just hasn't tactically had the chances to do that. Maybe Brooks hasn't had the personnel in front of him to give him the confidence to do that. Right. Um, but that was something that, that did happen from that wing back position with with Gressel just a little bit more. And I think that was influential. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. I mean, Brooks Lennon is more physically gifted than than Julian Gressel is. But sure. Julian Gressel had great. I would call it like vision, just his vision to see passes. Mm-hmm. Even a lot of times his cro- his quote unquote crosses almost acted more like a through ball because of the angle they are coming in at. And Joseph Martinez was so good at reading those angles and making the correct run. So, um, yeah, with with Brooks, it's like he gets into good positions and you can't fault him at all. Like I think Brooks London has been one of Atlanta United's more consistent players this season. But at the end of the day, if that's all you have, if like his service is kind of your primary chance creation like then it becomes easy to defend if you can have something going in in the interior where he's kind of the the secondary option where if Barco gets crowded out then he can spray it out to an open Lennon that's the kind of service that you want because then the defense is scrambling you have to pick up marks when the when the cross is coming in but as it is right now it's way too predictable from this team and so it's just not very effective or it's not as effective as it could be and I, I kind of feel bad for Brooks because he has put in such such solid shifts this year. Uh, I did want to transition to something a little bit more positive in the game, which is that the team did keep a clean sheet. And uh, I actually did think that they played well. I mean, again, we kind of, I kind of joked about Red Bull's 
dump and check tactics, which I think really feeds right into Atlanta's back three's hands, which is like Atlanta has three um, good recovery defenders. And they are just that's like if there's one thing that they really excel in, it's just snuffing out those kinds of those long counterattacking type situations where you just have to track back one on one. Anton walks is so damn good at it. He's probably the least athletic of the three that were back there, but he's um, so good at positioning his body, reading the play, marshalling players just away from dangerous areas. So uh, I want to give those guys a shout out. At least I know Alan Franco came in and made a mistake right away, but I did think that later on he settled into things a little bit better. Yeah, that was just super disheartening to see that because like, you know, in his brain, he's like pushing and like wanting to, to do things really, really well. And sometimes your brain just breaks like it, it's just going to happen. And for it to happen in that moment was less than ideal. And it probably is going to color people's opinions of him mm-hmm. just a little bit. Right. But but overall, it was much, 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 much better than when they went to a back three against um, Philadelphia. The mm-hmm. other day, right. Yeah. It was just much more improved, which is encouraging. And I think we had a whole bunch of questions about whether or not we should shift to that. And we'll get to those during the questions but let's let's get dark again and this <laughs> okay. is probably the darkest part oh, of yeah. the entire show uh hold on hold on to someone you care about and if you don't have that oh no we care about you we care about you but we're gonna be a bummer here so let's see well we talked about this being an extremely important transfer window for this team right Mm -hmm. and i think that is true from an on-field and off-field perspective and we had always kind of wondered like what would be somewhat of a breaking point i guess for fans if this team continued to struggle like they have right and i think we're dangerously close in a way that we haven't been before right just Mm -hmm. kind of looking around the stadium yesterday there were empty rows in a couple spots and not like COVID empty rows, like empty rows, you know, like yeah. I think it was the lowest attendance of the season. Supporter so far, section honestly. was like three quarters of the way full, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I mean, granted, they were making a ton of noise, but I just always use it's like that little that longer falcon wing part of the stadium. And I was talking mm-hmm. to you. It's like I always like you look at it like a barometer <laughs> of, uh, you know, fan <laughs> engagement or fan interest. Like how full is it? You know, and that was as low as mm-hmm. I'd seen it in quite some time outside of, yeah, the COVID stuff. So no. it's worrying. And, and then like you look online and you see people's comments and everything like that. And they're like, yeah, this is just I'm just not as interested. I'm uh-huh. not engaged. I, I don't. And really I get care it for anyone on these teams. And we get <laughs> <laughs> it. That's the thing too, right? Like it, it's it's understandable to an extent. So here is what I am thinking as far as this transfer window. And I'm thinking that if you are in the front office, this transfer window is here to save everything that you have created. And if that means that you have to take a financial hit as a team to make that happen, you simply have to do it because what you have created is a team that has been applauded for not only its play on the field, but of course the attendance and everything like that, that has been a a continuous source of pride. The atmosphere as well has been that, but people have always wondered considering that it is Atlanta, you know, and we can put the bad sports town shit to to rest and everything like that. But there, there are certain elements of that still there to an extent, right. Uh, Where, where you kind of have to be entertaining to keep people engaged. Sure. Yeah. You know, if, if this team is not going to be able to do it, the, then you will have the potential to, to really kind of set yourself back from that perspective as well. And that should scare the ever living hell out of everyone at Atlanta United. Yeah. And so let me see if I'm reading you correctly, which is that what you're kind of encouraging or hopeful that the team would do is to kind of cut your losses in some places, you know, like if you have to sell a player like Ezekiel Barco for much less than you, you know, maybe would optimally be able to get, you still need to do it to create an opportunity for yourself to bring in a player who could change things. Not only that, you need to do it and then you need to 100% make sure that this next signing not only grabs folks' attention, but makes them pay attention on the field. Like you look at what NYCFC has just done with Tyus Magno, who was like this extremely lauded Brazilian player, a youth player coming up that caught everyone's attention. And now they bring in this other kid, Tiago Andrade, 
who comes in and scores a goal in his first substitute appearance, then last night scores in his second substitute appearance to win the game in the 95th minute on a full sprint from the other side, doing an incredible, incredible play. And that is the kind of thing that Atlanta United pretty much needs at this point. There has to be something to recapture that attention uh, because I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting worried. There have just been so many things that have gone wrong you know, and people disengage when things go wrong, especially if if some of those things feel self-inflicted, right? right? Like if they're out of the control, there's only so much you can do. But when you have people leaving the front office, when you have mistakes being made in the transfer market, when you have the team playing flat tactics wise right now, um, those are things that are, that are in the control and they're not going well. And I think also kind of something that you're pointing at is that there are, this is not a case of, you know, bringing in a guy on 150 K um, that yeah that can play in central midfield. That's really going to change things. I mean, maybe a kind of replacement level player like that would be able to kind of give you a little bit more depth in some areas. But really, this team needs a player or two that are really going to kind of overhaul the way that this team looks on the field. And I think that, you know, again, obviously, Ezekiel Barco is the one guy that is kind of clearly going to be the one who's most likely to be sold to be able to create an, an, an opportunity for a designated player to come in. I thought it was interesting that Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic uh, asked Gabriel Heinze yesterday about the transfer window, and he was pretty open about I mean, he said he was like, Yes, we are looking at players that we need that I'd like to acquire to, you know, to help this. I don't want to you know misquote him, but he was quite open at saying that, you know, this team has definite needs and we're looking at those needs. And it does give me a little bit more optimism that Heinze is in the building for from a recruiting standpoint. Because uh, when you look at the signings that have been made recently, especially the big ones, I mean, they did, wouldn't give you a lot of optimism otherwise without Heinze involved in the whole recruiting aspect of it. If you look at Jurgen Dom, Mateus Rosetto, um, you know, Marcelino Moreno, you could have questions about Barco is one, although he was signed well before. But again, you know, I think that everybody listening probably gets what the point, which is that. You know, I wouldn't want to leave this necessarily purely up to the current front office that's involved. And it's just good that you have somebody like Heinze there that knows players, it knows the market very well, um, and also could be a, a huge, you know, chip in trying to actually get them to sign on the dotted line to to come to MLS. But yeah, I mean, it should be. I mean, you put it in the in the in our show sheet here. It's the most important transfer window in team history, and I think you're right. I think that this is. A big one and they can't let it go to waste i think as well you have to do something to change the fact that fans have no connection to these players Mm -hmm. right now yeah i mean i was walking out of the stadium yesterday and i looked up to the right and saw this massive like mural like hybrid art installation piece of brad gazan lifting mls cup with all the players surrounding him and i could look at each one of those guys and like know what they were about, know their personalities on and off the field. I could understand them. I had a connection to those guys. And with this group, I've heard it from multiple people. There's just not that same thing. So whether it's the next guy who comes in, who has maybe a personality on or off the field that actually gets people inspired in a way that someone like even Tito did, the way someone like Miguel did, the way someone like Quijandro did, um, Parker similar and what's even, man, you know, or whether it's presenting them through your social media, presenting them through the media itself and allowing us to have access to them and highlight them as folks people should be interested in. Something's got to change there as well, because people, people don't care about Marcelino Moreno, you know, <laughs> yeah. people don't really like Zeke. I'm going to be honest, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that goes back to him being a knucklehead three years ago in the Vasquez situation, right? People don't connect with this team right now and that needs to change. Well, and I would also say that winning plays a part of this, right? Because if you're sure. winning, um, those players are going to be much more willing to open themselves up to fans and show more of their personality. I feel like with this team, especially these last couple of years, is that the results have been so poor and they can feel the tension in the fan base and in the stadium and all that, that they don't want to expose themselves, you know, which I kind of understand. Um, but that was one of the the beauties of the way that this team launched was that they were entertaining, they were fun, but they were also winning enough so that they felt proud of their accomplishments and they could, you know, be open and felt like they could be themselves. And it just doesn't feel like this team has that kind of um, 
it just yeah it's just not the same kind of spirit that's in the in the group right now and so i think that it all plays together with one another you know it's not just one thing or the other but i definitely agree with you that that is uh you know it's a problem in terms of just engaging with the fans and and having the product be something that people want to spend their money and take their time out of their sunday afternoon to go see which is uh becoming harder and harder to come by people were literally giving away tickets yesterday and they weren't being picked up yeah you know for like that, that's where we're 20 at. bucks yeah exactly that's exactly me. so yeah exactly um so just to, just to highlight this uh we had some folks pretty unsolicited give us their thoughts on this right and that's kind of what pushed me over the edge here to, to go ahead and yeah you know say something like this but we want to read them all in full because i mean these are true like we want to give everybody kind of the full rundown of how people are feeling about the situation right now right and this may be not uh, this is not a full sample size, right? Sure, like this absolutely. is not everybody. This is small sample size, but it is indicative of, of where some people are at. So, um, bad side, Bob, who is one of our discord people on uh, the, the Patreon, um, says this, he says, so I'm a founding member and work brought me back to the 706. I had the opportunity to go since I drove my family and father-in-law to the airport today. However, my buddy couldn't make it. And I was absolutely okay with missing the game to get some downtime at home before a work week. I watched the game and couldn't be happier with my decision not to go. At any rate, I doubt I'll renew my tickets since it's a logistical nightmare to get to ATL from Athens, and this team will probably stink of Boca Negra for years. It seriously went from the MLS 2.0 to the MLS I laughed at in college when G. Blanco was a stud for the fire. I've been anti-reactionary since we've hired FDB, but I'm just fucking tired, y'all. I'll continue to watch the games and find ways to not give Sinclair Broadcasting my money, <laughs> but I just can't justify going to those games anymore, and I can't even get people to buy tickets for dirt cheap this year. I'll always be a United fan and never forget the first game at Bobby Dye at the Benz, but I cannot pay for the dollars the dollars for this shit when I can just pay $10 a month for premium ATL content right here. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. So there you go. And obviously, like... Uh, <laughs> like uh, maybe we can't necessarily endorse the stink of Bocanegra for years kind of sentiment in yeah. there. Right. Like, I don't think it's necessarily that bad. It is MLS and it can change yeah. quickly, but, but that's a general feeling. We'll go to the one more from Heathwood who says my wife and I left at halftime today. He, we had a babysitter for a few hours and early drinks dinner at Krog was way more appealing than another half of that crap. Right now the team is bad and not even in a fun way. <laughs> What is the fun? I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't feel any connection to this version of the team, and I don't see the front office doing anything other than making huge self-owns. McDonough, the way they handled Felipe's story, the backwards Hebrew on the Union jersey, not to mention all the questionable signings. It's a mess, and I don't see any real reason to believe they can turn it around. Yeah, That's where we are. Yeah, That's that's where some of these people are, for sure. For sure. And I'm... I'm not that extreme. Like I'm not going to be like I'm shutting off completely or anything like that. But again, we can, we can understand some of the sentiment at the very least. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just think about my own kind of friend group and I remember, you know, 2017, 2018, it was, it was like a thing that people were doing every weekend. It was like, you know, a group of my friends were getting together, you know, texting in our group, like who's going to the game, who wants to go, you know, there was always some, they were tailgating somewhere now those conversations don't even pop up anymore. Like they're not really thinking about going except for the ones that a couple of them have season tickets and they just kind of go quietly by themselves to watch the game um, there. And again, obviously COVID plays a huge role into this. Like that it was really a, a changes the landscape quite a bit, but this team should be getting back into what they were before then uh, by now. And it's just, a, doesn't, doesn't have that same kind of, vibe around the team and i and then uh, also i had friends who weren't into soccer at all but would still be interested in going to games just because it was so fun um mm. and i don't see them going to games and having any interest again life circumstances and things have changed but that's just my own personal anecdote as well and i know that for you know, from my personal perspective myself it's kind of hard, like, you know, going to the game yesterday is like, it feels more like work than it used to. I still enjoy, I always enjoy going to watch a soccer game, but um, it clearly feels more like a grind uh, covering this team now than it did when you're winning, everything's rosy, you have one of the best teams in the league. Um, yeah. So just kind of hope that we can get back to that point some, sometime soon. It used to just feel, it used to feel like you were going to an event, like a capital mm -hmm. E yeah. event. And it's, it's lost some of that and it won't retain that or, or get back to that until this team gets back to, to what it was on the field. Right. And I don't know that that's our big long spiel to say 
sell Zeke, sign somebody fun, <laughs> make some moves, and, and let's make this happen and not have this fall by the wayside, right? Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. I, yeah. Agree. Not yet. Not yet. All right. That's enough of that. Ugh. You guys have some questions. <laughs> we'll answer them as soon as we can right after this quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, the address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a, a place to sell clothes. So that will be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring-summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online, called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large, and uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody, uh, and it has just launched, and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC. Dot us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes. To the questions, Joe, Patrick, and we'll start with these ones that are a little more game-oriented before we get into the multitude of questions about possible transfers. But we'll start with this from both John Leach and Robot Engineer, aka RBT underscore Inger. Uh, he said, John Leach says, what should we take away from the way the second half went? Is that a type of play sustainable for the team is currently constructed? It wasn't perfect, but it was definitely an improvement in my opinion. And Ribbit Inger asks, I feel like we've recently transitioned from never connecting with players in dangerous goal scoring positions to sometimes connecting, but not being able to finish. Cough, cough, Cubo, cough. Is this becoming more of a Joseph-sized hole in the team last few matches, or am I just grasping at straws for something encouraging? So I, I think we need to get into kind of the second half and maybe our takeaways from it. And I think me and you both were not as optimistic uh, about what was created in the second half. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely. Again, this team had four shots total attempted in the game until the 74th minute. And then they had a couple goal mouth scrambles. They did some do some things at the end that were at least you know, looking like they could create a goal, but those were again, more kind of hail Mary ish type of attempts. Uh, they were not something that you can, you know, justifiably think you, you can repeat over and over again throughout a game. And this Red Bulls team, maybe you'll have better insight into this, but you know, like it's not a team that's star studded. Um, that has, <laughs> like, it's not, didn't seem like a good team essentially to me. seems like a team that you should be able to beat at home. And, um, I don't take away anything from that second half, honestly. Like, I didn't think that, that it was much better at all outside of, you again, you create some kind of crazy things happening with George Bellow running through the middle, um, kind of moving, adjusting his positioning a bit. But it didn't seem like anything sustainable was happening in, happening in that second half, in my opinion. Maybe other people would disagree. You're right. The Red Bulls are not star-studded, but they are very, very Red Bulls. They were leading the league in pressing coming into this. They're extremely direct. They've been... Doing pretty well, honestly, under Garrett Struber. So it, it's not a terrible thing to, to get a draw against them. It's just maybe bad to do it in the manner. But I, I do think that the team at the very least handled that press well yesterday yeah. in maybe a way that we haven't seen other any United teams handle it. Of course, it's not as it's not as high octane, I guess, as like the 2018 team or anything like that, right? The, the players just aren't there, but it is still... Uh, more pressure than they faced all year. And, and honestly, they did. Well, there's did a pretty well. With there's it. a positive then because against NYCFC who they, you know, NYCFC pressed Atlanta and Atlanta did not deal with it well at all. It took right. them forever just to move the ball into NYCFC's half in that game. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's there's something to hang your hat on to. Miles Robinson said after the game, I'll just kind of share what he said, which is that, you know, the, they did keep a clean sheet. And um, and he he mentioned the togetherness of the team like they were still kind of you know, not putting their heads down. They were still fighting and scrapping to get that goal late, which I guess is a good sign that, you know, there aren't just kind of frustrated and kind of mentally quitting on the game. So um, that's a good sign. But it just tactically speaking, it didn't seem like there was much there for me to kind of grasp on to as something that we can look forward to in coming games. Yeah. Mm, I, don't I don't know. Well, I do want to say that that someone mentioned, um, I think it was Robert Inger, 
about the chances kind of being created that if it was Joseph, uh, they might've been finished. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, but like those chances, it would have been what, I I guess it would have been one, nothing that'd have been a win, you know, instead of what it was. But overall, I I don't know if this is a team that is suddenly going to start scoring more than one goal a game, even with Joseph, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's the, when you look at the stats after the game, you know, you look at, okay, Atlanta had 13 shots. um, But again, they were just kind of coming in these clusters, um yeah yeah this is where so, xg can be can very trick you. very deceiving very right. deceiving in this one yep and that's why sometimes you kind of you have to take it as a whole right you kind of and we're at the point in the season where you can take meaningful value from the xg that's being put out there and again the non-penalty xg for atlanta is the second worst in the league the only team that's worse right now is hilariously enough columbus huh. um so yeah there you go Funny. there you go uh however they're they're getting better results all the same Mm-hmm. And then getting healthier all the time as well. So that they're trending in a different direction. I don't know if we're going to get to this later. Oh, yeah, we are. So we can go ahead and move to the next question. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and up ask. Wait, no. Um, yeah, here we'll go to Tony. Tony, uh, Tony a Tony Hawk and Hawks fan. Thank you. That's confusing. <laughs> there you Tony. Go, Tony. I like that. That's good. I, I mentioned um, that last time I misread. I misread his name. Thought he was a Tony Hawk fan. Do we think we're going to moving to a back three now? And would Sosa be better, worse if we make that switch and then to incorporate that? This guy's name is this I, <laughs> Pet Pedophallus? Pedof- is that? I feel like I'm getting pranked here. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, sorry if that's. We're sorry. We're just sorry <laughs> in general. Um, I like the idea of moving Sosa up. That being said. Is Alan Franco going to be a DP quality player? It seems like his decision-making speed and defending ability doesn't quite look DP quality yet. Is it a time and confidence thing, or is he the next mistake from the front office? And I incorporated those um, just because it seems it seemed yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I th- go ahead. I think Alan Franco is going to be fine. Maybe that's a controversial opinion. It's not the Miska opinion, but I think that he is is definitely taking longer to kind of get himself sorted out here in this league than I anticipated for sure. And I'm sure everybody, uh, but I still have confidence in him. just looking at, you know, what he's done in his career so far. And the fact that he's still a young player. Um, yeah. He's, I think he'll be fine. It's, it's like he has the yips or something. Like, I feel like he just needs mm-hmm. to get some playing time and kind of, you know, once he kind of gets through the initial, uh, yeah, the yips, I guess is the best way I can kind of phrase it. Then he will settle in and become a solid player. I think that he can still be a guy. Now, I don't think he's going to, he's not a DP. Like he is a DP right now, but he won't be long-term. They'll be able to buy him down once they can move him enough Tam off the books. Um, and that's a whole nother thing where they could actually open up two DP spots, possibly uh, depending on what players they would be willing to sell this, this uh, transfer window. Um, but on the Sosa front, I'm actually optimistic about that I mean, just because it's something different. I feel like he clearly has quality and I'd like to see that quality a little bit higher up the field that could potentially tribute to contribute to goals because that's obviously what this team needs right now. And I kind of w- am fine with a more, I guess I would call it like a Frank DeBoer style three at the back where it's just kind of three pure defenders um, and just let everybody else kind of have the have the freedom to go forward. And I'm excited to see what Sosa can do in that role. Yeah, that's the thing about Franco Ibarra's injury is that this has been kind of forced upon us, whether we like it or not at this point. I, I just can't envision a way they can do 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 or anything like that anymore with, with the personnel they have, especially if a bar is going to be out yeah. for a while. And the good news is this does actually get your DP center back in, which is, it seems like that should be a thing, right? You know, yeah. um, and <laughs> again, actually- he, he will be bought down eventually, I think. And maybe that can happen this summer. Maybe not. I don't, we don't know yet. Um, but the DP label is going to follow him and it's going to be there. But I think I agree with you. I think he's going to be fine. I think it is kind of mental right now and he will kind of settle down. And we know he has the ability because he had the ability in Argentina uh, to a, a relatively extraordinary degree. And he should have that here as well, especially given time. One thing that's interesting is that when he played at Independiente, he always played uh, on the as the right side of center back in a two. He was never playing in a three. So that is an, an adjustment for him this year. And it's one reason I've also been pointing out the fact that whenever he's been playing, he's been playing as the central center back. That's clearly where Gabriel Heinze sees him best fitting in alongside the other center backs. But I've wondered if uh, he might be better on the right side, playing as the right side of center back of the three, because that's a place where he would have more familiarity just patrolling those areas of the pitch. And Miles Robinson has plenty of experience playing as the central center back, which he did all the, his entire season under Frank DeBoer, where he was an MLS best 11 
uh, player. And he's so good at especially making those, again, the recovery runs and just kind of sweeping up everything behind in those one-on-one situations. But I don't see that happening. Obviously, Gabriel Lines has kind of made his decision on this, and we'll just see where it goes. I don't think it's a huge deal that Franco's playing in the in the middle of the back three, but um, it is what it is. We'll see where we go from there. He, he was ma- making some of the Sosa passes i think he was trying to look for those passes out to the fullbacks those ones you know kind of those diagonals that sosa makes but rebels were doing a good job of just marking tightly all over the place so less of those were available yeah those diagonals have come less and less and i was asking you about yeah. that during the game it was something that happened a ton in the beginning of the year and then new england man marked him out of a game and other teams realized they could do it too and that's just kind of how it's been we haven't quite seen that same distribution so why not move him up a little bit do it back three see what happens see if it gets brooks and george more involved in the attack since they're our best attacking players right now <laughs> and and see what goes down right yeah. see what goes down um this could get real 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 sketch real quickly though as anhet points out uh they ask sosa has four yellow cards this season one more and he's suspended again oh my god where's our lineup without him and how much <laughs> does it suck it sucks real bad and have going to a darker place than i could ever imagine <laughs> I generally don't know what that looks like. It's scary. There may be some twos players called up, something like that. Yeah. Um, Maybe you get something crazy with like George Bellow playing in central midfield or something. I don't know. Maybe shift Brooks over. Maybe, maybe bring in Mikey Ambrose, who is alive. I think Uh, some people like that. I don't know. It's crazy how small of a squad Heinze has used this year. Like just like the same there, these kinds of players that are on the fringes, Mikey Ambrose, you know, these guys are not getting a sniff and it's, it's very telling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's very telling about the quality of the roster right now. Um, Yeah. So uh, let's move on to this question. Uh, speaking of the quality of this roster and, and what I think we can still kind of assume is a year zero overall, like it, it needs to improve for sure. But you just kind of need to get the point where you're optimistic about the first real year under Gabriel Lines, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Next year. So some changes need to happen, but we'll start with this from ATL Greg, who kind of gives us a baseline here, I think. He says, okay, so the Bellow rumors have started and Miles is proving that he has added dimensions to his game that Europe will be drooling over. What's the percent chance of these guys being sold this summer now? And we'll we'll throw Zeke in there, right? Um, So Zeke, Bellow, Miles, what what percentages are you pointing on them leaving this summer? So uh, Zeke, I would say... 90%. 90%. Yeah. I don't know if that's I think I'm there too. I think I wasn't there. I think I was trying to like downplay it yeah. earlier in the week, but I'm I'm there now. It's got to happen. It's it's has to happen. And the way I'm thinking about it with Miles and Bello, and I haven't done the hard math on this and nobody really knows what the Tam situation looks like, but I think that the first of all, the only way you would ever sell one of those two players this transfer window is if you open up another designated player spot for yourself by doing so. Otherwise, there's no point in doing it. Uh, so, but let's assume that that's what happens, because I think that that would happen, I think. Um well, especially with Miles, probably less so with Bello, but Miles got the new contract. That, that's a big Tam deal. So he's on more money and that would free up Tam plus whatever they get to add on from the transfer profit or whatever. Uh, so I think Miles is the one you're looking at. So Bello, I would say very small chance um, this year, maybe in the offseason. But this year, I would say 10 percent for Bello. For Miles, I would probably say I still don't think it's likely, but I would probably say 30 percent um, just because you have Alan Franco. So if you have if you, you you sell Miles, you still have Alan Franco and Anton Walks. That's a perfectly capable MLS center back pairing that you would have. Um, plus, then, you know, you get another great DP quality player to replace Miles with up the field. So uh, those are my percentages. What do you think? I agree with mostly all of that. I think I had it kind of different earlier in the week, but it, I've, I've kind of come around and thought more about it. I, I, we should mention that there have been rumors about Bella to Galatasaray, I believe, yeah. is the one that has come up. I, I'm not sure how much sense that makes. It could just be someone connecting random dots and everything <laughs> like that. But it is a rumor. Um, I imagine we'll see more of those as we go on. And keep in mind that the transfer window for MLS does open on July 7th. So one more game, I believe, against Chicago on the 3rd. And then that's it. The window is open and and things need to happen. The the turkey rumor has not passed the sniff test yet for us at Dirty South Soccer. If there is anything legitimate, we'll obviously report it. But um, yeah, 
I will say some, I mean, not that these teams have been linked to him at all, but Bello did do some trials when he was a kid um, before he signed his deal with Atlanta United at Everton and Genoa. So um, okay. maybe a couple of leagues, Premier League or uh, Syria could be leagues that, that you look for, but also Bundesliga, obviously very interested in these kinds of young American players as well. Michael asks, Sosa, Miles, Bello and Barco all destined for new homes at some point in the near distant future. What is the order in which they depart? And we could have made this rapid fire, I guess. So we'll just kind of answer this like a rapid fire one. Uh, I think Zeke, Miles, Bello, Sosa is how I would do it. But Miles and Bello kind of together. I don't know. Yeah, I would I would say I would say the same. I think Sosa probably I think it's probably like Sosa and one of the Miles or Bello probably Bello would like go in the same transfer. Actually, yeah, no, no, no. I would go back with what you said. Sosa will be here all next year. There we go. There we go. Well, Palmshire brings this up. He says, where do you go from here? Uh, feels like this is Palmer, by the way. He did not palm tree <laughs> palmer. Um, where, where do you go from here? Feels like we're just trying to hold on until we get to the transfer window. Palmer, that's Pretty exactly much. what's Pretty happening. Much. That's <laughs> yeah. literally exactly what's happening. I, I do want to clarify that. That's exactly. You're falling exactly. down a cliff yep. and just trying to like grab onto any kind of foothold you can uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. And July 7th is the big safety net you're going to fall into it and maybe potentially have a chance to climb back up the mountain, which leads to this question from Bob who asked, who goes this summer and who do we bring in? Who do you realistically want us to go after? I think we've kind of established our feelings on Zeke. Is there anyone else you could theoretically see going out? It, there's not that many healthy people yeah. to go out at this I, point. Right, exactly. Honestly, because I, I would be willing to just already part with a Jurgen Dom or a, you oh, know, or a Mateus Rosetto. Like if you could ever get that off the off your books, even if you maybe mm-hmm. you did like a loan deal, send them out on loan like you did with um, with uh, the defender, uh, Fernando Meza. Meza. Uh, that way, at least you get his contract off the books. I, I think that they could do that potentially to, to clear up some space. But um, th- I mean, they're not giving you anything right now anyway. So uh, you could do that. But yeah. Oh, and who do I want us to bring in? There's probably there's only one name that's really kind of on my radar right now, which is Tiago Amada. Amada. Um, central attacking midfielder from Velez. Heinze would know him very well. Very highly thought of prospect. Is maybe unrealistic because who, you know, he would probably have other opportunities to go to Europe. Um, and maybe at one point in time, it was desirable to come to Atlanta over maybe a lower tier European team, but I'm not so sure now, unless they just offered a ton of money. That's the one thing that they have. If if it's an occupying a DP spot, MLS teams can offer more money than a lot of these players would be able to get in Europe. I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to do this differently. I, I, who I want Atlanta to go after are people in front offices around the league who have proven that Ooh. they can do this, right? Like you look at what Philadelphia's front office has been able to do and, and finding transfers and everything like mm-hmm. that, and even maybe building the academy. I want them to look at people in the analytics community. That's a big concern yes. for me right yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. Is that Lucy Rushton is gone and that there doesn't seem – apparently Doug reported there was some kind of – internal promotion i don't know if that's right yeah um, i don't know if that's right either i followed up and i di- didn't hear any kind of confirmation about that okay. so but maybe he knows so, something that he had a conversation that analytic spot is open right and that is crucial and that is crucial and i really really hope they're valuing that on a high level because the the guys who do this and the girls who do this and everyone else who does this have been right about pretty much every (laughs) signing that's been brought in, right? Like in their analysis of like, oh, they're bringing this guy in and that's going to be a mess. I don't get it. Or this is the guy in and it's going to be good. It's almost always pretty accurate. They have this information. They have the willpower and resources to do this, to make sure that teams are signing. Even if it's just like getting John Mueller from American soccer analysis and like paying him money to do your analysis. Like they need to have that Mm -hmm. base, right? It can't just be, the scene for Moneyball where the guys are like, oh, his girlfriend's ugly. He doesn't have any confidence, right? Like mm-hmm. it can't be that. And that's where I'm kind of concerned. I, I want them to to take this opportunity that there has been all these changes in the front office to bring folks in who will not only challenge them, but, you know, progress the evaluation of players because they have missed when other teams are routinely hitting like Philadelphia. I love that. I totally agree that that for the long term health of the club, that is the most important thing to do right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll go to this last one from Brock who says, if we were to sell Barco, what do you think the fee would be? Man, is it five million five right now? Five to seven. Yeah, uh, 
which I mean, that's what, like almost a $10 million drop, but yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. You took that risk. Everyone is okay with you taking that risk, but you can't continue to have this sunk cost fallacy in it that you need to get something bigger out of it because you're not going to get it. And the longer he's on the team, the more the team has an opportunity to struggle with him, right? And we need to get past that. It's just get past it. And the, the team signed Miguel Almiron for $8 million and sold him for like $27 million. So, you know, right. you have made money and you can continue to make money if you make good signings and you're able to reap profits. But again, it's it's the opportunity cost right now is what we're talking about with Ezekiel Barco. You just, you got to cut your losses and move on to somebody else who might be able to provide you a bigger opportunity in the future, both financially gotta, and on the field. We have to move on to bigger opportunities as well, Joe. This is rapid fire itl greg one ask will we ever have a man of the match that is not guzan uh, uh yeah probably brooks lennon Pro- or jordan brooks bellow lennon. right yeah so some of the other people we just basically pick every single game <laughs> in and out. uh logan the shogun ask with all the injuries and potential national team call-ups looming who from the twos would you want to see called up with the first team joe patrick oh from the twos hmm <laughs> Well, because I would say Jackson Conway, but he, is he a twos player? I guess not because he signed a homegrown deal. Um, probably. I don't know. I don't think there's anybody out the twos, really. I think they're all where they should be. Awesome. That's encouraging. I know. Luke Naw asks, no questions, just pain. Thanks, Luke. Uh, Kevin <laughs> asks, the more I <laughs> watch, you, the more pissed I get about how we got here. Each passing game points more and more towards a lack of talent on the field bait and switch. That's not that's not really a question. That's that's also just a general feeling. But yeah. Yeah, I feel you, Kevin. Yep. Uh, Bar asks, which admittedly older free agent who has a track record of scoring for any team in MLS would you want to pick up during the transfer window? Um, I'm kind Carlos of Tevez? That that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm hoping they're not looking to that option. There needs to be a far greater rebuild and emphasis on what we're doing than that. And it's not buying another backup striker who's basically just Kibo, right? Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, let's see. speaking of Kibo, uh, Def Dave asked, does Kibo have incriminating photos of Heinze? I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like Heinze is, is he's got photos of him, like looking at a three, five, two on a blackboard. And it's still just insane to me that he played 90 minutes yesterday. I get starting him. I listen, I will concede that, but give Jackson Conway 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get, to give himself some game action. Sorry. Do something different. Literally anything different. It's, it's not working. ATL Greg one asks, why does my heart feel so bad? Why does my soul feel so bad? Joe? Because it's not the way that it was. You know that this club can be something greater than what it is right now. That's why it feels so bad. I was going to say muscle confusion. But I don't know. <laughs> um, Tony, a Tony Hawk and Hawks fan asks, we need a winger or a better midfielder. The answer is yes. Bad time. Yes Bob yes. asked, would, I, okay, you're going to have to help me here. Would Heinze put Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot ahead of Kubo and the depth chart or behind Kubo, but still ahead of Conway? I don't know what this is. However, I think we're onto something here. I think that Kubo may in fact have been replaced by Daniel Day-Lewis. And that is what's happening here. Ah, Daniel Day-Lewis well, in the role of a lifetime as Cubo Torres, the Cubo story. <laughs> and that's what's happening. And that would explain a lot of the deficiencies. He's finding out that he can't method act his way into converting a, a headed chance. This is all an art piece. I get it now. I get it. It's beautiful. ATL Greg one asks, what's the point of having Jackson Conway miss playing time with the twos to play only five minutes, even with Joseph? Exactly. Gone. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ralph asks, what single word comes to mind when you look at the past map for yesterday's match? I say tunnel because it looks like a big like arch, <laughs> like a mouth of a cave right around zone 14 where the ball never went. Yeah. Uninspiring. Tony, a Tony Hawk and Hawks fan ask our final question who says, is Chris Armas blowing it again? And boy, boy, is he. <laughs> Sam is loving it. That's the one <laughs> thing. I don't want well, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like you're, I you explain yourself. I like being right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't don't like people failing from like a humanistic perspective, right? Like I feel genuinely bad, but um, yeah, except in the first leg of the Eastern Conference Finals. But right, exactly. That was that was enjoyable on a a whole nother level. (laughs) And that was rapid fire. Also enjoyable on a whole nother level. Joe, you got to get out of here. Any final thoughts before we do? No, just hope next week's better. Hope I really hope we can have a better conversation if they 
struggle mightily against a Chicago team that has all of five points this year. Um, we need to have even more serious conversations, but they might because that's just where this team is. Maybe it's a, it makes right for now. a more pressure packed game because of that, because the, the situation would be so dire if you lose that exactly. game. Exactly. Well, I mean, people need to be fighting for their spots on the team, yeah. I think, is how it needs to work, right? Because yeah. again, fire and then four days later, the transfer window is is open. Mm-hmm. And things need to begin happening immediately. That things need to have been being worked on already. Transfer window open. Let's go within like first couple of weeks, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Got to get people back. Got to get the folks back. We'll get and Joseph back. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Everything will get better. We're going to make it, I think, possibly. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, thank you all for making it with us. Again, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com. Five slash five stripe final. Uh, we appreciate everyone who subscribed so far. Over 160 plus of you so far. But we love each and every one of you who listen. Get at us if you want on Twitter and everything like that. We love you. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all. Just to say goodbye, bye.